They were testing him, says the gospel today. And in fact, we read in the gospel that there's 74 instances of the Pharisees and the scribes asking Jesus questions with the intention to test him, to put him to the test. And I think that tonight we should really be thankful with them because thanks to their, you know, evil intentions maybe, we got the answers from Jesus about the big questions because their intention was not right, but Jesus' responses were. And that's the beauty that we get all these responses about the big questions in life. Their intention wasn't right, we should say, because they did not want to know the answer. They were not seeking the truth. They were not even open to change their minds. They just wanted to be reaffirmed in their own positions. They just wanted Jesus to comply with their own view of things. So I pray that as we enter this important question tonight, we may enter with an open heart, seeking the truth, like children who want to be taught by God. Divorce, as Jesus says himself, was already accepted in the Jewish culture. Many, many centuries before Jesus, Moses had allowed divorce. And as Jesus explains, they can write a bill of divorce and I know go through that. So the question wasn't about divorce. But the Pharisees wanted to see where was Jesus standing. Are you with a more rigid understanding on the causes of why you can get a divorce or are you more with the lax uh, side that allows under any circumstances to get a divorce? They just wanted to pull him in their, their own directions to comply with them. But Jesus, as he listens to the question, he realizes that there's a whole new level, a whole deeper level that they are not even aware of, that they are not asking themselves questions about. And that's what he wishes to speak to them about. He realizes that they don't know the plan A on love that Jesus has. They're speaking about the plan B already, the situation in fact and what to do. But Jesus wants to open to them a new horizon on how to approach this question, a whole new level. We know that, in fact, Jesus practically approached the situation of a, of a divorced woman in the Samaritan woman and how he dealt with her. She was divorced not once or twice, but five times. And Jesus spoke with her and did not prevent her from listening to the good news. He announced the good news of salvation to her. And in fact, she became a witness to all the people in Samaria, an unexpected witness to all those people. And Jesus praised her for all the people that she brought to him. So we know that Jesus dealt with those situations in fact. But he wants to also open a new horizon for us on how to love as God intends it. 
This was allowed because of the hardness of your hearts. But in the beginning was not so, Jesus says. It is because of the hardness of your hearts that you cannot understand now this teaching. But let me teach you what is my plan for true love. I have come so that you may have eternal life. I want to restore you to the fullness of your capacity to be able to love fully and indivisibly. My commandment is not new, Jesus would say. My commandment is not new. But I want to bring the newness of the Holy Spirit that may come into your heart and allow you to live it out, to be able to love in this way that at this point might seem impossible. The process that we need to go through in this night is to soften our hearts because it is that hardness of our hearts that does not allow us to understand love in its deepest way. So we need to soften our hearts so that we may love in all fullness. The first way to soften our hearts, of course, is a grace from on high. And we should cry out in this night that we may receive a grace and walk out of this church by receiving the grace of God to be able to love, to soften our hearts. Because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit, not another one, the same Spirit that filled the heart of Jesus and drew Him to love in such a way as we read in the Gospels may come into your heart tonight. We need to pray that that Holy Spirit that was received in Pentecost by the the apostles and the disciples may come into our hearts tonight that if there is a divine intervention, if there's something vertical that happens, we may be able to change. It is possible to love in the way God wants us to love in all fullness. So we pray for that grace in this Mass tonight. I don't think it is asking too much. I believe that Jesus wants us to pray for this grace in this night. But the second way, and even more important for us tonight, is what we have to do. In order to soften our hearts, we need to train our hearts on how to love. You know that when you train, when you practice, you soften, you flex your muscles and you allow them to to do better. If you don't practice, if you don't train enough, then your muscles become very uh, stiff and and then it's very, very hard to, to, to do exercise and to do anything. So how can we train our hearts so that we may be able to love more and to love as Jesus wants us to love. So let me share with you tonight the ABC of love training. The three ways that we need to train our hearts because this time of college is a very special time to train your heart to love in a godly manner. And if you train your hearts today and in these four years and throughout these four years, you will see that one day when you do have to make that commitment in marriage and when you do come up to the altar, you will be trained to love 
in the right way, but that is trained today. Through appreciation, through boundaries, and through a complementary love. Those three things are the ABC of love training. Let's quickly go through them. So the A stands for appreciation. Adam, we read in the first reading today that Adam shouts out at last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This is what we call the hymn of joy from Adam. He appreciates this company that he receives in the woman because none of the animals, none of the animals, as good as they were and as he learned to love them, none of them was able to satisfy the deep desire for love that he had in his heart. None of them could satisfy that love. So appreciation implies recognizing the capacity for love and the sacredness of the other person as they are. Appreciation means to respect the other person as they were crafted by God, as different than me and sacred because God has made them. So this appreciation is, first of all, internal. You know, we grow to appreciate other people because, just because they are loved by God and created by Him. And that's the deepest appreciation. But it has to be shown in an external and very concrete way. So what are your ways that you have to show appreciation for others? Others closer to you and others maybe more far away from you. I remember a text that I read many, many years ago when I was beginning my journey in the faith, a text by a Spaniard priest who wrote 24 ways to love others. It's a very, very simple but very profound text. And he came up with a list of 24 things because of the 24 hours of the day so that we may be able to love others just in, in a daily and simple way. And so he wrote some, some of them that I remember. He says, to love is to learn the other person's name. To love is to learn what they like and try to please them. To smile to everyone and at all times. To close doors quietly. To answer their calls. And the list goes on. And I'm sure you could come up with, with your own list of maybe 24 or 48 or as many signs of love that you could come up with. It's an appreciation that is internal, but then it is shown in very concrete ways that show I recognize that you are there and that you are sacred and I am willing to love you in these very concrete ways. That is appreciation. Our B tonight stands for boundaries. And I know that this is a word that gets such a bad press nowadays. You know, boundaries, we don't like boundaries. We like to be able to love us in whatever ways we like. But the fact is that we use boundaries all the time, and boundaries are actually very, very good. You know, sports without boundaries are no fun. You know, driving without boundaries, without order, could be very chaotic and very dangerous as well. You know, coming from Argentina, I tell you that that is true. I am a witness to that. Mm-hmm. 
relationships without boundaries could hurt and hurt people deeply. Not for years, but for a lifetime. So boundaries are a very helpful thing. I read once that someone said that the end of boundaries was with the drop of the atomic bomb. After that, there's you know, no limits, no respect for you know, civilians and those in war and just you know, the fall of boundaries. But I think that the age that we are living today, you know, with all the news that we hear and the scandals and all that, if there's one good outcome, it's that we are relearning the importance of boundaries once again. That boundaries are good and they help us to love even more and to love better than we would. Because boundaries tell us not only what is out of the game, but boundaries also tell us in a more clear way what's in, what's the right way of loving. So I want to invite you to set up your boundaries for love. Boundaries that need to be physical, boundaries that need to be emotional, Boundaries that need to be intellectual. But we need boundaries to direct and concentrate our power to love. But if there's one thing that is true about boundaries, is that they need to be intentional. Not setting them up is setting yourself up for failure. Because our people will trespass them if you're not intentional. Boundaries allow us to love in a deeper way. And our C tonight stands for complementary, a complementary love. And this is again written in our bodies as we read in that reading from Genesis. It is also shown in our emotions and in our, all, our whole emotional world. Love is always complementary. We are not all the same, but there are ways of expressing love that complement each other. I don't try to make you like me, and I don't pretend that. We have different ways of expressing that love, and I'm willing to learn those love languages and to respect you. So I want to also recommend that we grow in this aspect. What is a good healthy, feminine way of love? What is a good and healthy way of masculine love? Love is complementary. And the richness is in finding those ways of loving and looking for good examples from people who have loved you in this way that you can learn from. So the challenge for our week is, of course, to do a love examination of conscience, to look at our way of loving according to our ABC tonight, and maybe come up with one resolution, one area of growth, and decide to do something differently so that you may grow in your capacity to love more according to the plan of God. Because Jesus, in all honesty, he was the greatest lover. He was the one who was able to give himself wholly and completely and without division. And why? Because he had the ABC. 
He had a love of appreciation, internal and very concrete. He had clear boundaries. He also had a very complimentary way. He loved us in a very human way. So as we come to communion tonight and become core at core, heart to heart with Jesus, may we ask him to soften our hearts so that we may be able to love as he wants us to love.